Abundance of love Abundance of grace Now to that cross You took my place Oh God You take my ransom Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. God's Word will change your life. God's Word will renew your mind. And this morning, we're going to be looking to God's Holy Word in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. If you have your Bible, follow along there. If you don't, all of these verses will be on the screen. In verse 28, the Bible says, Have you not known, have you not heard, The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want to preach to you this morning from... Sermon titled, God Wants to Give Us Power. Say power. Power. Pray with me. God, thank you for the power that you've given us through your spirit. And God, I pray even now that you would anoint me with the Holy Ghost to say the things that would honor you. Let us hear from you today, God. I thank you for each person who's come out today. And I pray, God, you'd save the lost, deliver the saved, teach us from your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name is my prayer. Amen. Amen. God wants... To give us power. Now, here's the deal. You guys that have been around for a while, y'all already know that the average sermon that I preach could be a four-part series. This is a six-part series that we're going to get done today before lunch. Somebody say, I'm ready. Somebody say, I'm leaving. No, don't say that. (laughs) So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk fast, and I want you to what? Here we go. Let's get into it. We, we talk a lot about spiritual battle and spiritual warfare at Abundant Life because so many churches don't. And so many Christians didn't grow up in a background understanding spiritual battle and spiritual warfare. But I hope somebody can agree this morning that if you're saved and you are walking in God's kingdom, that you're in a fight. Amen? Amen. And, and, and sometimes when you're in a long fight, you get tired. Now, I study. Oh, I grew up fighting. I, I've I love boxing, I love combat sports, and I I study uh, a a lot of different combat sports, and I can tell you this for sure from personal experience and anything you read on the internet, anybody know how long the average street fight lasts? Three minutes, two minutes, somebody in the sound booth? Who, Who said 30 seconds? Almost a minute. So everybody was right around it. Listen, almost a minute for one or two reasons. Uh, if you've never been just really locked up with somebody pushing their weight on you, you don't know how exhausting a minute of that is. And so either the skill of one person takes the other person out in a minute, or they just both collapse from bad cardio. Because guys like Elder Keon, wave at everybody, Elder Keon. Elder Keon doesn't go around getting in fights. Now, he's got cardio for days and, um, you know, young and in shape. But fights don't last long in the natural. But have you realized yet that spiritual battle will always be here? See, a a fight in the natural, you can prepare for that. 
And if you're like Deacon Weston, you've got three good moves. Um, or if you're like me, and I'm just going to palm strike you under your chin, snap your head back, and you're going to go unconscious, then I'm going to, you know, drag you over to a curb. Put you, no, I'm not going to do that. That was old. Day. But you can prepare for a physical confrontation way easier than you can prepare for a spiritual confrontation. Number one, you could talk your way off a physical confrontation. At our age, you don't even have to get in fights anymore. You can just be humble and, you know, take, 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 take a more gracious role. But the spiritual battle is always there. Say always. always. So we've got to learn how to not get tired because in a natural fight, people get tired quick. We, sometimes when we've been battling and battling and battling, how many of y'all ever felt like I, I'm just going from one battle to the next? Anybody? I've told you for years, you're in one of three places. You're either in the middle of a storm, you're just coming out of a storm, or you're getting ready to go into a storm. This is the cycle of life. Now, sometimes we get those mountaintop experiences that everybody wants to live on forever. But there's no growth there. So we got to live in this real life. I'd love to teach you about pie in the sky and the sweet by and by and just tickle your ears and make you feel good. But the reality is God's people need help in the nasty now and now. We need, we need to learn how to move and exist and come in and, and go out. And we need to learn how to fight this fight. And if you be honest, sometimes even as a saved, sanctified, fire-baptized Christian, sometimes you get tired. Sometimes you feel weary. Sometimes life... Read in between the lines. People will wear you down. Anybody ever had that person that gets on their last nerve? As long as you keep letting them get on your nerve, that's going to keep happening. Uh, But we've got to learn how to get more strength and not be so tired. I believe the two main reasons why we get weak in our spiritual fight, number one is our strength is not being replenished through consistent times of refreshing. Now, that's a whole lot to unpack right there, but I've got too much to say, so I'm not going to unpack it for you. But I want you to get the point as best we can that if we are not constantly refreshing the inner man, if we're not constantly feeding our spirit being, if we're not constantly feasting on the Word of God, we are going to be malnourished. Amen? Amen? And so we've got to learn how to... Just get more refreshing from God. You got to go to God's Word. You got to renew your mind. You just can't be on the go all the time. You can't be on the do, 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 always doing all the time. You've got to learn how to rest in Him. One of the things I teach pastors and our staff and leaders around the country is that if you're going to minister in any capacity, and by that I don't mean pastoral stuff, if, if, if you understand ministry at all, you know that more ministry happens outside these walls than will ever happen inside these walls. Ministry is just meeting needs. Christian ministry is meeting needs for the glory of God. And if you're going to do any ministry at all, if you're going to hold a door for someone and smile for them, if you're going to do anything in any capacity to bless somebody, you are going to have to learn how to minister from the overflow. Here, here's where people get burnt out. They, they, we had a guy... Um, my first semester in college at Luther Rice Bible College, uh, one of the uh, professors was talking about pastoral burnout. He wanted to know how many of y'all want to be pastors. He said, well, let's talk about burnout. One man said, no need to talk about something that doesn't exist. So they had this little thing going on. And it was an older guy, and he, he finally got mad at 
at the professor and walked out and looked over his shoulder and told everybody, I'd rather burn out than rust out sitting there doing nothing. What I've learned in 41 years of doing this is that there is burnout, but only in the power of your flesh. Because if the joy of the Lord is your strength and you are being renewed day by day and you are constantly filling your cup to the overflow, how many of y'all know God doesn't get tired and he doesn't faint? You start feeling that weariness. You start feeling that struggle. You need to realize, whoops, I have been giving out of my cup. That cup is for you. Put your cup under the spout where the glory comes out. Get, get your own life filled and saturated with the Holy Spirit, and then that overflow. See, everybody didn't grow up in England. I didn't grow up there forever, but I do understand afternoon tea time, and I understand we don't do it in America. But in fancy English homes where they have afternoon tea, they serve their tea in a cup on top of a saucer. One of my friends, uh, Michael Combs, uh, did a couple albums. He grew up on the west side of Jacksonville, close to where I did, and he wrote a song that said, I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. And when I heard that, I thought, that's the only part people should be giving away anyhow. What, what, what's, the air, what's the airline uh, stewardess tell you? In, in the case of loss of cabin pressure, masks will fall down from overhead cabin compartment above you. If you're traveling with old people or small children, you should do what? You've got to put yours on first. You're out there doing, doing, doing. You're being everything that you can be for everybody. You're carrying your load, everybody else's load, your brother's second cousin, sister's wife's load, and you're not getting renewed. You're going to break down. I believe by far and away the number one reason people get weary in the battle is because they are living out of their cup and they're not being refreshed enough. Secondly, I think we're fighting the battle on our own. Most people do what they do in the name of God on their own. Here's the reality. And anybody who's ever served God and has a shred of honesty in them will tell you, I can do almost everything that I do in ministry in the power of my own flesh. And everybody who serves in the kingdom can do whatever they do in the power of of their own. You can sing in the flesh, you can deacon in the flesh, you can teach in the flesh, you can usher in the flesh, you can park cars in the flesh, you can preach in the flesh, you can take an offering in the flesh, you can give an offering in the flesh. But it's not until we transition out of fighting on our own. What, what does God tell us consistently? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We're walking around too much, taking on too much. We're not standing back singing his praises enough. What did the old church tell us? When the praises go up? So you're sitting back wondering, where are all my blessings? When you ought to be wondering, why ain't I praising? We're going to get there. Stay, stay locked in. But the majority of what's done in churches all around the world and Christian homes all around the world is done in the flesh. You can be a husband in the flesh. You can be a wife in the flesh. You can be a parent, a child any of those things. But that is not what God wants for us. How many of y'all know God wants us to be led by his spirit, yeah. controlled by his spirit, dominated by his spirit? Yeah. I don't know about being dominated. I got to do me, me. Uh, we've talked about that. We might get into that in a little bit. But if you don't learn how to stop battling on your own, if you don't learn how to stop taking everything 
head on. If you don't learn that no matter how amazing people tell you you are, that you are ultimately weak and dependent and needy when it comes to God, you are going to do stuff in the flesh. And why wouldn't you? If you got the whole world telling you how special and amazing you are, who do you need? But, but if, if you understand what, what, what the apostles understood, that it's in my weakness that he's made strong. It's when I'm dependent on him that he shines forth. I love what Major W.N. Thomas said um, in his book, Abiding Christ. He said, if we'll be to him what he was to God, then God will be to us. Uh, then he'll be to us what God was to him. Let me say it again. If we'll be to him what he was to God, then he'll be to us what God was to him. And the, the reality is Jesus was totally dependent on God, and God was totally sufficient for Jesus. And when it comes to the point in our lives when we are totally dependent on Jesus, then he'll be totally sufficient for everything we need. But if you're not operating in the strength of the Lord, and especially if you're coming to church, if you're coming to church on a regular basis, if you're trying to serve God in the power of your flesh, let me, let me tell you what your future looks like. Bitterness, frustration, negativity, critical spirit, judgmentalism, holier-than-thouism, Phariseeism. One old man said Phariseeism. I like that. Um, but here's the thing. It doesn't have to be that way. And if you ever felt yourself getting tired, I've told y'all, stop telling me, Pastor, I'm the only one keeping the nursery this month with, 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 with a frown on your face. You're not the only one keeping the nursery this month. You might feel like you're in there a lot, but even if you were the only one keeping the nursery this month, how excited ought you to be that the one true and living God allows you a capacity to serve him in some kind of way, and you can do something that you can do for the kingdom. The mindset, and I'm telling you, when you operate too long in the flesh, that, that, that frustration, that's when that burnout comes in. So if you've ever felt weak in the battle, you're in the right place, if, 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 especially if you're hanging on by a thread. I, I heard one preacher say, if you're hanging on by a thread, let go. Oh, that's better. That, I'm preaching better than y'all are staring at me. That's good advice right there. And, and we've got we to get to the place where uh, we know where to fill up. If, you've ever, if you're at your very wit's end, i got great news for you. When you finally run out of your own strength, then you can tap into his. And you'll be able to say the, the, that the Lord is my strength. We can walk around and say these cliches all we want to. But if we're working hard on our own strength, we've got to learn what the difference is between operating in our power and in operating in the power of the Lord. In verse 28 of our text, the scripture says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Period. I tell you all the time, Paul's on the punctuation when you're reading scripture. I'm going to let some phrases go today because I've got so much to cover. But you always want to pause on the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces so you can get it down in your spirit, digest it, understand it, apply it, but there's a great buildup to this comma, the creator of the ends of the earth, comma, and then we read this, neither faints nor is weary. God doesn't faint, and God doesn't get weary. 
His understanding is unsearchable. This is where heady people lose it. This is where super academics lose it. This is where people, anytime you meet someone that says, well, I'm studying all major religions, Pastor Scott, because I'm determined to find, you're dealing with a nut job. You're dealing with a psycho religionist. You're dealing with somebody who thinks there's another religion out there that's true and real besides Christianity. And if we can't agree on anything, we better agree Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And it's only by his death, burial, and resurrection that we have any hope at all. And sometimes God's ways are past our ways. He told us that. You're banging your head. If you're one of those people that have to figure it out, you are going to have a lot of struggle being a kingdom walker. Because there's just some things that don't make sense to us, but God knows better. So when you can't figure it out, you got to what? Faith it out. We got to learn how to do everything by faith. And when you finally run out of your strength, you tap into his. And and the good news in verse 28 is he neither faints nor is weary. So God doesn't faint. He doesn't get tired. That's why I love, I tell you all all the time, one of my favorite descriptions from the ancients about God is he's wholly other. It's completely different. He's not like anything you've been experienced to. Some people struggle with intimacy with God because they've been hurt by human beings. Realize Jesus is on a a level by himself. He's never hurt you. He's never done you wrong. Stop talking about church hurt. There is no church hurt. You have not been hurt by the church. The church is perfect and spotless without wrinkle. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the blood-bought children of God. You didn't get hurt by the church. You got hurt by people that were hurting themselves. So we've got to learn how... uh, that we can tap into this non-tiring, non-weary God. Everybody else gets tired. And what do we get tired of? People. Struggle. One of, one of the first things I started saying, because I heard other people say it um, as, as a young preacher, was think how great ministry would be if it wasn't for the people. Now, my sister and I are very similar in, in ways as, as far as being uh, people. Uh, she, she can live in her cave uh, with her door closed. I'm telling y'all, she got that sign on her door. What's it say? Conference in progress. There are no conferences in the administrator's office. There's a conference room across the hall from her office. My office is next to her office. There's chairs to sit in to be conferenced in there. Ain't no conferences going on. She put that. She's in there hiding, doing work. Because she just loves to be in her space and to do what she is gifted doing. Um, but so, and sometimes, truth be told, now this is not me. Y'all know I'm fantastic. This is the evil administrator <laughs> who's the best woman I know. Sometimes she just closes the door because too many people keep walking in or out. True or false? Let's say I put her on the money right there, and she's just like, I am tired of people coming in, and everybody gets tired at some point. Everybody gets tired of struggle. People get tired of strain. People get tired of each other. But I need you to realize today God is different. Say different. He doesn't get tired. The devil wants you to think that God is not just tired, but that he's tired of you. Oh, I felt that so hard in my early Christianity because I was, I was doing what all Christians do. 
I, I was honoring God, and I was failing God. I was honoring God, I was failing God. I, I, I was glorifying God, and I was, I was falling short. Why do you think the Bible says that a righteous man falls six times, even seven? Because they keep getting back up, but one falls enough to keep the wicked down forever. And, and I, I, in, in all of that, how many of y'all ever prayed? Now, this is just honesty. Pretend like we're in Wednesday night Bible study, and it's open discussion, interactive. Let's, let's play that role. How many of y'all have ever felt God has got to be tired of you asking forgiveness for the same foolish junk. All the rest of y'all, liars or Baptists. It's the only options you got. Y'all, y'all know a good Baptist can put, lift their hand. Not me. I put it in my pocket. No, sir. Not with all that hand. Listen, if you've ever felt like God is tired of your up and down lifestyle, if you ever felt like God is tired of you going to him and going to him and going to him. I want you to hear this and get it. He can't be tired of you because he doesn't get tired. You can't exasperate God. You can exasperate the preacher. Oh, especially if I'm walking in the flesh. You can exasperate me quick. Um, You can exasperate each other. But you cannot exhaust God. He's never at his wit's end. He never faints. He never gives up. You ought to at some point have thought, though, because if you're in this real battle, the enemy's only got a handful of tricks. Once you know them, once you expose them, once you shine light on it, then the truth uh, begins to set you free. But once he plays that trick on you, what must God think of me? Here I am again. How many of y'all swore you'd never do it again and you did it again anyhow? (laughs) Baptists and liars. Okay. I got a few Christians in the room. Uh, I'm not mad at Baptists. I got saved in a Baptist church. I, I used to tell people, it's okay, I can talk about them. I are one. But kind of. Um, but stop worrying what God thinks about you and start agreeing with God about what he says he thinks about you. See, we're in constant evaluation as human beings. What do my friends think about me? What do my parents think about me? What do my children think about me? What does my employer think about me? What do the people that work for me think about me? What do the people I partner with think about me? And that's just all a guessing game. Because most people aren't great communicators, and they don't share with each other what they think. So we're just left to think, oh, they're probably sick of me already. And you let that bleed over into your life with God. So I'm going to tell you again, the God who cannot be tired, will never be tired of you. Start thinking what the Bible says God thinks about you. Uncle Ken loves this passage, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. One version says a hope and a future, but the thoughts that God thinks about us are good thoughts, not bad thoughts. When God thinks about you, I I, I use this example all the time because Jesus taught first natural, then spiritual. He talked to farmers in agricultural terms to get them to understand spiritual truths, fishermen in fishing terms, same thing. If you can understand in the natural, you might make that leap into the spirit realm. And I use this example in the natural to get you to see it. God loves you the way you loved your three-year-old. See, because some of y'all right now, if we talked about your 15-year-old, you're like, oh, nope, they're on my dirt list right now. Mm-mm. So every, every mother who ever had a daughter told me somewhere between 12 and 14, that daughter quit being, stopped being sweet and started being bossy. Thank God I didn't have any. 
God knew I couldn't deal with it. But when before they told you no, before you caught them getting drunk, before you found out they were smoking weed behind your back, before you found out that they weren't applying themselves in school, before you found out they had lied to you again. I'm talking about when they were just little angels. I'm talking about when they colored the little picture with, with one orange arm and one green arm, and you put it on the refrigerator and thought it was the greatest thing ever, but not because the artwork was good, but because at the bottom of it, it said, I love mommy. And then you catch some guy who can't lie like me. How many, how many of y'all know people are not ready for this level of honesty? You catch some guy like me, I come into your house, you're like, look at, look at that. My baby did that for me this morning. I think, he, I, I think he's a genius. I, I, I think he's a savant. I think, yeah, he's something, all right. Uh, you, you think it looks great, and uh, your love is, you're seeing through the eyes of that's my child, and I love them no matter what. Because let me tell you something, those, that three-year-old coloring, it's all outside the lines. The colors don't match. It's a horrible piece of artwork, but you smile on it. Why? Because your child said, I love my mama. And you've got to understand, God loves us more than we've ever loved anybody. His thoughts toward us are good. If you don't hear anything this morning, understand he's not tired of you. And he doesn't have a bad thought about you if you're his child. Would he, would he like to see you do better? Sure. But does he love you all the time? See, the, the fallacy of the church is telling people, get your life cleaned up and come to Jesus. And I've had people tell me, Pastor Scott, I'm, I'm not ready to get saved because I'm not ready to give up X, Y, and Z. Listen, don't, don't get ready to get saved to give up stuff. Get saved and let God give that stuff up for you. Amen? Five of y'all know what I'm talking about. I love the fact that he's not tired of me, but realizing he's not tired of us uh, should, should get you to understand this point, and I hope that you get this with all your spirit. Hear me good. He is totally in love with his children. When he looks at you, he said he's already chosen, not just to forgive your sin, but to forget your sin and cast it as far as from the east as from the west. I'm not saying we shouldn't be strong on sin. Y'all know we're holy in this church. I'm not saying we shouldn't have standards. Y'all know that's the heart of my core belief system. But you got to understand, you don't please God by being a good kid. God's already happy with you before you got out of bed. But I want us to see the key to tapping into the Lord's strength. And as we look at this passage, I want, us to, I want to show you three things this morning that have to do with gaining God's strength. Number one, we have to faint. Say faint. All right, stay up because I'm moving fast. We have to faint. Verse 29 says, He gives power to the awesome and amazing, to the fully adjusted, to the perfect and the bold, to the ones that look the role. No, it says He gives power to who? The faint. Semicolon. What I say? Pay attention to the punctuation. Take it in bite-sized phrases. He gives power to the faint. Do you know we live in a church world that is Western civilized churches are so dominated with New Age philosophy about personal empowerment and economic empowerment and how bold and fantastic we all are? Uh, well, if that's you, if, if you're walking around, I'm a queen, I'm a king, don't look for power from God because you're not fainting. You're walking around strong. But he said he gives power to the faint. I told you, and I'm going to keep telling you, everybody can't be six foot two, 220 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Somebody's got to be five foot nine and cuddly, and somebody's got to be whatever you are. 
We can't all be what we can't be. But the one thing everybody in this room could do is just fall down. Just, just, just to faint. And then he says, and to them who have no might, he increases strength. I get it. I understand affirmation. Uh, but you can look in the mirror all day, every day, and say, I am physically in shape. My body is better than Elder Keon's. I got more muscles than Deacon West. How many of y'all know, I, if I can just look in the mirror and say, I declare and I decree the body of Keon Johnson on me. <laughs> How many of y'all know, he's going to still look the way he looks and I'm going to still look the way I look. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, if that worked, whoo, I'd tap into it. Problem is it doesn't, it doesn't work. But what does work is total dependency on God. What does work is stepping aside and cheering him on as he gives you the victory. He gives power to the faint. That, that Hebrew word means strength, might, force, and ability. Oh, man, that's what I want. Not in the natural, in the spirit realm. I want to be strong in the spirit realm. I want to see what others haven't seen because I've been where others haven't been. I, I want to be able to hear the voice of God everywhere I go because I've been listening to his voice all week long. But you have to have a measure of fainting uh, to get that. And I don't always feel like that. You don't always feel like that. But you ought to want this power, this strength, this force, this ability. But to get it, you have to faint. That's what qualifies you to get his power is fainting. Listen, that is not hard. But have you ever seen somebody faint? They fight it. Now, we know, we, uh, those of us that have been in the military, um, you know what happens if you stand in parade formation too long. You, you put those heels together and you lock those knees back. What's about to happen, Sergeant Major? Boom. We, we, were, at, we were at some parade formation one day, and there, there was a line in front of me, and this guy, he was right there. Um, and he, uh, I said, he started this right here. <laughs> and you can't help him. I mean, a bee landed on my nose right as he was doing this. There's nothing you can do. Just get stung. Watch your buddy break his head on the ground. Um, and eventually, he tried to do what he was trained to do. He was going to faint, and he figured out he was going to faint. So he was supposed to step back and take off this way. My man went, bang, right on the... People resist fainting. There is a natural tendency in you when you feel like you're about to fall out, you resist it. But I want to tell you something. In the spirit realm, you better learn how to faint because that's who he gives power to. And you, you got to hear what that word it means. Faint, this word in the Hebrew, means to lack personal strength. Do you know how many people would never... If I told I could go... Because y'all know I've got friends across the spectrum denominationally. And if I go to certain churches and I tell people, uh, you need to let go, admit your weakness, and let God. The devil is a lie. I'm the embodiment of God. Okay, well, maybe you ought to quit speeding on the way to church. I'm just saying. I mean, you all that in a bag of chips and you can't read your Bible 30 days in a row. There, there's something wrong with that. But we can all faint if we realize that we don't have the power. It means, to faint means uh, to, to lose strength, to lack strength, to be dizzy and weak to the point of losing 
consciousness. Pastor Scott, are you trying to tell me God wants a bunch of dizzy, weak folk? Uh, yes, because that's what the Word says. But He doesn't want you to stay dizzy and weak. He wants you to open up your spirit and let Him fill you with His strength. How many of y'all know His strength is better than your strength? He gives power to the weak. We can do that. We can just fall out, just boom. I mean, position something soft under you and just go bang. People used to ask, Pastor Scott, do you believe uh, in laying on, laying on of hands, anointing with oil, transfer of spirit? Absolutely. I believe in all that. I, I believe in falling out in the Lord. Here's what I don't believe in. Get ready. Catching. See, I was trained. I was a catcher. Uh, in, when, when I went to the, the ultra-charismatic church I was in in Tampa for a year, um, I, I, well, I already knew how to catch, but they had to put me through their training. You get somebody who's really demonstrative at the invitation at, up at the altar, you just walk behind them, and you touch them on the sides of their shoulders. And then that way they know, oh, there's somebody back there to catch me. Boom! And you got to catch them. How many of y'all know if, if God's going to lay you down on the ground, you don't need anybody to catch you, he'll, he'll keep you good bounced off the concrete. I want to see all churches go to no catching. See how that works out. But we all can fall down. But you have to allow yourself to do it. You know what it looks like? You know why people resist fainting? They don't want to admit they got weak in the moment. People resist fainting because they don't want anybody to think that they're less than everybody else. I want you to hear me again. It's in our weakness that he's made strong. It's when we make that great transference where we give him everything that we are to receive everything that he is. How many of y'all know we get the better part? But we got to learn how to faint. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say you have to be a genius in the word. I didn't say you had to have thousands of scriptures memorized. I, I said you had to faint. I didn't say you had to be the smartest, strongest, best-looking, most dynamic, sharpest knife in the drawer. I said you had to faint. The text doesn't say we're strong or amazing or powerful. That's the new age lie. I saw yesterday on social media uh, this apostle. She had tons of followers. Um, and underneath, uh, she put up a new picture of herself declaring her new season. Great, fantastic. But then I wrote this down so I didn't mess it up. It's right off her website. I am strong. I am amazing. I am beautiful. I am a queen. Respect me. How many of y'all know that doesn't sound humble? He resists the what? Give grace to the who? Be careful with your I am statements. I was so proud of Joel Osteen when he wrote his book, I Am. I was walking through, Seth and I walked through Walmart. We're looking at the book section, and I I saw um, uh, Joel's book. And it said, I am. And I thought, hallelujah. Uh, take me away from living my best life now and talk to me about the great I am. But then I, I, I scanned the book for 30 seconds. And it, it said, look at yourself in the mirror every day and say, I am, and all these I am confessions. Now, if you need to get your mind right, then that's one thing. Are we complete in him? Yes, we are. Has he given us everything that pertains to life and godliness? Yes, he has. But do you really feel poised and ready to take on the world in the power of your own strength, or would you just as soon let God come in and have his way? All this queen talk, all this I'm so awesome talk uh, is, is new age at best, uh, old age at worst, but it's not what the Scripture says. So here's my question. Do you know 
how to quit what you're working so hard at that's making you tired? Do you know how to take your hands off it? Pickle jar. Y'all know I always got to go to my pickle jar because I live through it, and it makes sense. And maybe if it makes sense to me, it'll make sense to you. Um, I have sat in my chair on the green couch, reclined back, watching people in my home trying to open a pickle jar when the boys were small. I'm talking about, I mean, running under the water, tap it on the counter, get a knife, get a spoon, until finally they realize, what? I got a grown man in this room. All I got to do is ask my father, Dad, can you do this for me? Oh, well, that's when I swell up. I can't fail now. My child has asked me. I can't use a spoon or a knife, but here's the reality. I don't need one. They haven't made the pickle jar. Have they made the pickle jar you can't open, Elder Jimmy? You just go, just Nancy struggle with it for four hours. You just, when you take your hands off the pickle jar of your life and you put that thing, whatever it is, in the lap of your father and say, I can't, but I know you can, watch him show out and watch him shine. God wants to glorify himself. You give him an opportunity to do what you can't do. And see, this is why Jesus said you got to have childlike faith. When, when our kids, now, Deacon Dixon and I, raise your hand, Deacon. Uh, Deacon Dixon and I, our children grew up together. They, they, they were best friends. They sleepovers. They were in the church at the same time. And uh, Jake and Marcus were just, uh, you know, friends from the earliest little, little kid ages. And at that age, every little kid thinks this, if they have one and if, if they're, you know, be, be coming up uh, in, in a well-adjusted environment, they think, my daddy can beat up your daddy. <laughs> I had one of mine come home one day told me, I told so-and-so's dad that you're a pastor and you make more money than him. (laughs) Now, this dude was an anesthesiologist. (laughs) I said, well, son, I'm not sure that's true, but but I like like the, the confidence. But they all have this, my, not, my dad can beat up your dad. My dad's stronger than your dad. My dad can outrun your dad. Listen, that's just not true all the time. But kids think that way because they hold their father in such high regard. They think he's the best of the best of the best. And I want to tell you something. When you stop feeling that way about God and you think you've got to put your hands on it yourself, when you start thinking you have to be strong and amazing and powerful and awesome, when God said, what I really like you to do is just lay down, hand me the pickle jar of your life, and let me show how great I can be inside you so that I'm the one. How many of y'all know God wants the glory? He don't want to share it with anybody. So we got to faint. The second thing we have to do is to have no might. Now, this sounds similar, but it is completely different. Put verse 29 Back on the screen, guys. He gives power to the faint. Got that. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Now, we talk a lot about hermeneutical principles, especially on Wednesday night Bible study. And one of the things we talk about is how careful you need to be when you use inference as 
um, a, a way to understand a text because you can read too much into it. You can start eisegeting instead of exegeting. But the reality is there is a biblical principle called the principle of what's inferred or the inference principle. And so we, we've got to consider that and look at this verse that way. It says, to them that have no might, he increases strength. So somebody that understands the principle I just talked about, one of you Wednesday night crowd, uh, tell us what that means for people who feel strong. He will not increase their strength. You walk around thinking you're all that in a bag of chips and look at me. I'm accomplished and I'm amazing. Uh, you may as well just go ahead and tattoo across your forehead. God will not increase my strength because I feel so strong already. That's not the life that God wants for us. God wants us to allow him to increase our strength. But as long as you walk around uh, thinking you're strong, that's not going to happen. So the definition of that word might, he, he, he increases strength to those who have no might. So that word might means ability, power, or resources. Ability, power, or resources. Do you know what you learn to depend on if you're an entrepreneur? Ability, power, and resources. Do you know what you learn to lean on if you ever start? I'm talking about in the natural. If you ever try to accomplish something, you're going to be adding up what your strengths are. You're going to be adding up what your resources are. You're going to look for people who have ability. But the word of God says plainly, to them that have no might, he increases strength. If you've ever been one of those people that realized uh, what the hymn writer said, I need thee. Mm, I need every what? See, the church has gotten away from that with, with all of their I am declarations. The church has gotten away from that. Now, you, you need to understand that God uh, has, has chosen you before you got a chance to audition. You need to understand that the true and the living, the only God that there is, has put his spirit inside you, and that makes you powerful. But how many of y'all know one second away from your eyes on Jesus, all that's flown out the window. The Holy Ghost is over here, and you're over here. Uh, we'll get into that next week. But I can do verse 1. I can faint. I, I, I can do verse 2. I, I, I realize that um, God's might is so much more substantial. Um, I sound like a real mess right now. I, I fainted, and I don't have the strength to get back up. How many of y'all remember that, that old lady in that commercial? I've fallen, and I can't get up. Every time I see that, I'm thinking, candidate, perfect candidate for the Holy Ghost to fill you up and make you the most amazing octogenarian that ever lived on the planet. But most people resist that until you get to the I've fallen and I can't get up. When you realize I can't, let the Spirit of God remind you that what? He can. He can. There's nothing that's hard for God. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. There's nothing impossible with God. The, the, the only need, the only prerequisite for a miracle happening in your life is for you to have the need of one. Once you realize it's going to take a miracle to make this happen, then you've just set yourself up for the miracle working God to do something that only He can do. Verse 30 in our text says, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. God doesn't get tired. God doesn't faint. God doesn't get, but when they said even the youths shall faint, how many, how many of y'all remember when your kids 
you just wish that they would just calm down and be tired and want to take a nap just one day out of the year. They just had energy forever. Uh, so, some of y'all were those mothers that are like, Pastor, please stop giving candy to my child, especially the red. I'm just not convinced that red Skittles have any more hype in them than orange Skittles. Okay? Uh, but you, 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 you've seen the young people seem like they can just go forever. Some, some of y'all used, used to be like my generation. We grew up playing outside, didn't we, Wayne? We'd play outside till dark, past dark. We'd be throwing balls at each other. We couldn't see. Never get tired. Now you got the greatest athletes in the world in the NBA complaining about how hard it is on their bodies to play back-to-back games. How many times do you play back-to-back scrimmage games as a kid, Jimmy? Right. We go to the ballpark and, and, and run back 15 games of three-on-three, uh, which is exhausting. But when you're young, you're just full of energy. But the Scripture says even that crowd that you think never gets tired, they're going to faint. And the young men, what, what, are, what are young men picturing here? Well, they're the strongest people in the room. Um, uh, now, if that hurts your little easily triggered feminazi brain, uh, you know, Elder Keon standing by to arm wrestle you. And, we, uh, you know, Elder, Elder Jimmy standing by to, you know, take you out to his gym and, 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 and lift weights. Listen, young men are stronger than old men. And we don't expect them. Uh, now, honestly, if we had to move a big, giant, heavy box. You want the preacher to broke his back twice and broke his neck twice to grab hold of that? Or you want me to give, give way to one of these younger deacons and elders and say, you grab that? Common sense. But even the most energetic humans get tired. And even the strongest humans, they fall. Human strength won't be enough in this kingdom. If you don't get anything, get that. Human strength. If you want to be a kingdom walker, if you want to be who God wants you to be, if you want to have a new season, if you want to walk in a destiny, you need to understand human strength is not enough to do what God has called you to do. You can go get another degree. I've been in education my whole life. You you can go learn a new skill set. I, I love and appreciate that. But human strength will not be enough for you to do what God has called you to do in the kingdom. Verse 31 Here's, here's the third point. The third point we have to do is to wait on the Lord. Say wait. We have to wait on the Lord. Verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here's the punchline. This is how we tap into the Lord's strength. We wait on him. They that wait. Now, that's already. You've already had to have fainted. You had to take your hands off everything. See, when you, if you faint and you're holding a tray of food, Guess what happens? You let that go. Once you faint, you've let go of every natural thing that you were holding on to. You fall down and you don't have the strength to get back up. You just wait on the Lord. See, you know what the first thing most people want to do when they faint? Try to get back up. Try to get back up. And everybody there, all the medical people in the room, they're like, oh, no, you got you to let them sit for a minute. Right, Sonia? You got you to gotta let them gather because they're going to stand up and do what? Just fall right back down. They need to accept the fact, I've fainted. 
I've let go of everything. I'm tired. When you get to that place where very few people get to, then you enter into this next verse where you can qualify as they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I don't think that's the best version. I don't think that's the most literal version. Now, you know my stand on different versions. The best version of Scripture to read is what? The one you read. You can be a New American Standard snob. All great theologians are New American Standard snobs. All old school preachers are King James snobs. Uh, you, you can, whatever, y'all you, know me. I love the Life Application Study Bible and the New Living Translation. Um, but whatever version you read, you, you need to, if, if you say, oh, I just love this version the best, well, then read it. Quit leaving it alone all week long. But when it says renew their strength, I think that speaks to something that confuses the matter because God is not interested in literally renewing your strength. The way that reads in our 2023 English language minds, that is not the best rendering of that. He, it's not that he wants to give us new strength. He, it, he wants to give us new strength. He's not trying to increase our strength. He's trying to give us a new strength. And if you read in multiple other translations, that's why I read every verse of Scripture I read in 8 to 11 different translations to get a consensus of what's being said. And the majority consensus is he will give them new strength. Now, how many of y'all, now some of y'all just wouldn't do it with a gun to your head. If, if, you had the, if God was up here right now saying, anybody who comes, I'm going to give you a brand new strength. I'm going to give you my strength. You're not going to have to rest on your strength anymore. I am going to tell Dina's like, I'm running. Other people are like, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, no, you're proud. You're content in your mediocrity. You have no desire to, to, to shake a world for Christ. But those who have fainted, lay down there, admit, I got nothing left. And I, you just begin to wait on the Lord. He's going to give you a new strength. Say new strength. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of my strength. I'm, I'm tired of trying to make things happen. People get in the way. People try to manipulate a move of God. People try to set the mood and or, grind an organ and, and pull on heartstrings to get people to make a decision for Christ. I'm here to tell you plainly. Uh, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Hell's hot and eternity's long. If, 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 you want to go, if you don't want to come the way of Jesus Christ, you can't come anyway. So the truth's the truth what? But I, I want this, this, what this Hebrew word for renew means. Listen, to substitute for something else. We've learned how to live in our strength for so long, some people wouldn't even know how to let God substitute what you've lived on for something else. But I'm going to tell you this. You need to faint. You need to have no strength. And you need to wait on the Lord till he gives you a strength that you've never known before. It, it is uh, it, it's to substitute for something else, to alter. Oh, I love this last part. You can read this right out of a Hebrew dictionary. To change for the better. See, because it doesn't matter how strong you are in the natural. Nat natural strength won't win spiritual battles. It doesn't matter how strong you are, accomplished you are, professional and polished you are. That is not going to win the spiritual battle. We need this new strength. So how do we wait on him? I think this is one of the most confused words in all of the Bible. Uh, if you look it up, the word wait in the Hebrew means to look for, hope in, to eagerly expect, to move with anticipation. Uh, but the literal meaning 
is to take two things and twist them up together. That's the literal translation of the Hebrew word where we get our English word weight in this verse. To take two things and twist them up together. So waiting, spiritual waiting, it's not like if I told uh, Deacon Ken, uh, just sit in that chair right there and wait till I come back. That all I've expected of him to do while I'm gone is what? See, that's what we count as waiting. In a waiting room, you just sit there and you stare at the wall. But that's not spiritual waiting. That is natural waiting. Spiritual waiting involves being all wrapped up in the Lord. Now, I don't know when the last time you did what I've been telling you to do every week forever I don't know when the last time you made personal examination. I don't know when the last time you obeyed the scripture and examined yourself to see if you're even into faith. I don't know when you take accountability for where you are, but you, you need to get to the place where you, you understand that waiting on the Lord is active. Say active. It's not wait till I here till I get back. In Luke 19:13, Jesus said, or the scripture says, so he called ten of his servants delivered them ten minas, and said to them, do business till I come. You might remember it better. Some of you people my age and older, the King James says, occupy till I come. That word occupy means do the work of a banker, uh, someone who barters, or an entrepreneur. Do the work of business. God, when he says wait, he's not anticipating that you just wait and do nothing. He's anticipating that you wait on him. Now, I've told you all about waiting before. When you go to a really good restaurant, if you go to a high-end restaurant, here's what you're going to come up against. People who refill your tea too fast. I'm telling you, you go, you go to Burns Steakhouse, you, you, you go to Matthews, you, you go to Maduro's, you, you go to uh, someplace with a real wait staff, there's somebody just standing on the wall with a, with a jug of water and tea like this. And here's the bad news about five-star restaurants and why you ought to stay away from them. It doesn't matter how deep south we are. Do you know what they don't serve at five-star restaurants? What's wrong with these heathen? Rich folk don't even know how to drink right. So they're going to give you unsweet. It's not drinkable. It's not even drinkable. But so then you got to do what? You got to throw all the studies aside. You got to forget about what happened to laboratory rats in clinical trials, and you got to grab the pink and the blue, and at least three of them, because bitter, unsweet tea. Mm. God spoke to me the other day at McDonald's. I don't know how I did it, but am I right or wrong? Said, does our McDonald's have horrible Dr. Pepper? Just horrible. I don't know what's wrong with them. They, it, and it literally, it's better in the back. And they'll tell you that. You want me to fill that up in the back? It's just something off with their lines or whatever it is. So I got, in my mind, sweet tea till I sat down. And I realized what? No, no, it wasn't Dr. Pepper. I, there were two, two coolers side by side. I just, it was turned just a little bit. And all I saw was E-E-T. And I'm just too stupid to realize sweet and unsweet end in E-E-T. So I got me 32 ounces of E-E-T on the un-E-E-T side. And it didn't take me any amount of time at all to know that ain't what I want. 
But here's what I didn't do. I didn't go. I didn't live off that unsweet tea. I didn't just keep drinking. Here's what most people do, even when they realize their strength's not enough, even though they realize they need something better from God than what they've got. They just keep living life. They just keep pushing away. They just try harder, just hit it with a hammer enough times, try to fix it, just force your way through it. I didn't sit there and try to force my way through that unsweet tea. It's horrible. It's not sufficient for me. And there's a whole bucket of better stuff. So, listen, I'm not dumb. I just look this way. I was smart enough to get up and go get my sweet tea. But what I didn't do, some of y'all half and half people, God help you. I didn't pour out a little bit of the nasty, and, and that's exactly what I did, Deacon. I dumped out every drop of it. If they had had a clean cup to get out, I grabbed a different cup. But until you dump your cup of ability out, until you dump your own power and strength out, until you get rid of thinking I've got everything I need, you ought to dump that out, get under the spout where the glory comes out, let God fill you with his spirit, and give you a new strength. got to wait on him when 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 you get to this place you got to learn how to wait on god uh one one writer said an expectancy that believes even if he isn't there yet he's on his way are you daily waiting are you daily watching what what's the scripture say there's a there's a crown of righteousness laid up for you if you're eagerly anticipating his coming when you woke up today I sure hope the first thing you did was go to the bathroom. I saw my mama her whole life. Uh, I'd be at the kitchen table eating cereal, getting ready for school. My mom would come wiping, wiping boogers out of her eyes and feeling for a coffee pot. It was at that point. Yeah, I know some of y'all are like that. Y'all get the coffee before y'all do anything. It was at that point in my childhood I decided I'm never. I'm never going to drink coffee. It, anything that's so addictive, it, it makes you do it before you have to pee in the morning, I'm out. That's my bodily functions. I'm not having it. 59 years, never drank a cup of coffee in my life. But when you woke up this morning, whether you went to that coffee pot or to the bathroom, whatever you did in your process of getting your way to this place, don't raise your hand. If you did, I don't want you to seem proud. If you didn't, I don't want you to seem devastated. But here's the reality. I know this already. The majority of people in this room gave no thought to that eastern sky might split open today. The majority of people in this room gave no thought to the catching away. The majority of people in this room gave no thought to this could be the day that God tells Jesus to go get his children. Well, guess what? You have no crown of righteousness, but you can. You need to start living every day in anticipation of, I wonder what cool thing God's going to do today. I wonder how he's going to save my life today. I wonder what miracle he's, he's, see, some of you think the only miracles are blind eyes opening, and surely that's happening all around the world. But you should have, when you got to this parking lot and you put your car in park and you turned your car off, you should have understood God performed a miracle for you because these people out there can't drive. And if you made it up 103rd Street without getting in a wreck, God is a sure enough miracle worker. Oh, you don't see the miraculous in that? Uh, you get mad at your kids, they bring home bees, and you don't realize it's a miracle because they were on track to bring home seeds, and you really would have freaked out. you got to start looking, anticipating for the hand of God, the movement of God 
in every day. And you got to start waiting on the Lord. Be busy waiting on the Lord. It's wrap your life up in him and attend to his matters. What, what if your waiter at your $300 plate uh, restaurant just sat there and stared at you and your glass was empty? Now, you know what my boy Bob Lynch would be doing. It, this is a, just crazy. He just starts rattling. Listen, don't do this. They, waitresses work hard. They ought to get good tips. Rattling the empty glass at them. They're not waiting on you. They might hold the title, but they're not attending to your matters. They're not attending to your desires. They're not, hear me good, catering to you. Waiting on God is catering to God. Waiting on God is getting so wrapped up in Him that you see through His eyes, you speak with His words, you think His thoughts, and you do what He wants you to do. And most people have no experience in that type of capacity. But it's only then that you get to walk in the promise of verse 31 where everybody loves to talk about. It's only then that you get to mount up with wings as eagles. Oh, man, uh, my iced tea rattling preacher, he, he, he preached one of the greatest messages that I ever heard. Um, walk with turkeys or soar with the eagles. How many of y'all know most, most believers are content just to walk down here? Never even gave a thought to soaring with the eagles. Listen, if you want to soar with the eagles so you can tell people, look at me, how powerful I am, you're disqualified. He resists the proud, give grace to the humble. But if you'll do what the verses proceeding to verse 31 does, you can get to this place where you mount up with wings as eagles. Now, here's the one thing that experts will tell you about eagles. They can fly 200 miles an hour. Anybody want to agree that's fast? That's incredible. I was on Doctor's Lake one day on my jet ski. I got a competition racing jet ski. And it does somewhere between 70 and 75 miles an hour, depending on the water. And that's really fast. Jet skis you rent, they, they govern them out at 35. If you come off that thing at 70, uh, I mean, they, they provide a racing cow, racing numbers, and a helmet when you buy this type of jet ski because they expect you're going to be taking it to nationals and racing it. But I was on Doctor's Lake one time, and I saw a bald eagle flying this way. So I thought, well, I'm going to track him down. Guess what happened when I tracked him down? He started tracking me. I tracked him down, turned around, and went on about my business. I looked back. Here he comes. So I go faster. Listen, eagles are fast, faster than you can imagine. They soar higher than any other bird. Experts say they're 10,000 feet in the sky. Beautiful, majestic, incredible Sight to behold, America's made it their national bird and treasure. But it's not the beauty of the eagle that I want you to behold. It's not the height of its flight. It's the effortlessness of the eagle. The eagle is gorgeous and amazing because he's flying higher, he's flying faster, and he's flying with less effort than is possibly imaginable. If you look at a hummingbird, uh, anybody ever try to watch the wings on a hummingbird? You have to have some technology to slow that down. And most Christians are living like hummingbirds and not like eagles. That hummingbird is just flapping, 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 trying, 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 doing, 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 doing. The eagle is just being, 
just out there. But the difference is one is flapping its wings to fly. The other has mounted up on something. And I want you to get this, and then we're going to be done. The eagle's not flying in his own strength. The hummingbird's flying in all of his own strength, and he's trying desperately to stay aloft. The eagle's not flying in his own strength. He's not carrying himself through the air at 200 miles an hour. He's riding the wind. And I want you to learn how to ride the wind of the Spirit of God. Many times the Holy Ghost is described in, in a, a variety of ways in the Bible. And a lot of times we, we hear God referencing to him as the wind. I, I, I want you to understand this is a picture of spirit-filled living. This is a contrast between you flapping your wings all week long, trying to work hard on Monday so you can get to get up and go to work hard on Tuesday so you can get to get up and go work hard on Wednesday, just fighting your way day after day after day, working to pay the bills so you can work to pay the bills. That's not living, and it's certainly not spirit-filled. See, the spirit-filled life is an effortless life. On your side, God's the one supplying all of the power. If you, when you ride on the wind of the Holy Ghost, then you can't get tired. You can't get weary. Why? Because you're not flapping your wings. You are being carried by a force greater than you. And you have to go in the direction that force is taking you. Because that's what you're riding. This is what spirit-filled living is all about. Allowing the Spirit of God to be, if I can steal a phrase from a secular song, the wind beneath your wings. And you ought to spend some time this week evaluating what has been the wind beneath your wings this past week, this past month, last year. See, because here's the reality. Days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years, years turn into decades. And I've sat beside dying people, and they all have the same question. Pastor, where'd the time go? Went one day at a time, 24 hours at a time, 60 minutes an hour. And if you don't start taking advantage of your opportunity. The Bible says we've got to redeem the time because the days are evil. Well, the days have never been more evil. They ought to be more redeeming. We take advantage. One, one version says take advantage of every opportunity because uh, the times are bad. And we need to be taking advantage of the wind that God is blowing. And it doesn't matter where you fall on the scale of charismatic. Uh, we, we've got every, we, we got people that speak in tongues uh, constantly, we got people that don't. We got people praying tongues. We got people that it doesn't matter where you fall on that level. You need to learn how to let God be the power that's energizing you from day to day. And it's not going to come through, I declare and I decree, health and wealth for me. The Bible says God gives the Holy Ghost to those who obey Him. It's not going to come from your strength of declaration and how great you feel about yourself in your new shoes. Is going to come through humble dependence on God because he wants to show up and show out, but he won't share the stage for glory. And we got to learn how to wait on him. And then we got to learn how to, how to walk in this new strength. And, and, and here, here's the last thing I'm going to say. Get this picture. I'm going I'm to show you the similarity between the eagle and the spirit-filled believer. The eagle gets in position to catch the wind. It's what, 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 he, what he's sitting on, where he's waiting, and he's just waiting. And he's waiting, and he's waiting. And he hears the wind. He feels the wind. But he says, no, that's not for me. 
and he waits. See, because every good idea is not a God idea. And what God has for others isn't always for you, but what God has for you is for you. And that eagle knows, oh, there's a wind coming for me. It's got my name on it. And when he sees that wind, he just launches out on it. And the wind catches him. And the wind carries him. But what he did is he put himself in a position to mount up on something that was stronger than him. And I don't know where you're at in life today. I don't, I don't know how you have positioned yourself. I don't know what strength that you're walking in. But I know if you'll read these verses, let today be a prompting. I don't have the time to exhaust these verses. I never do. But if you'll let these verses be a prompting for your further study, and you can begin to do what God says. Remember, the Scripture says you're blessed in your doing. No, knowing what the Word says will only benefit you if you do what the Word says. You put yourself in a position to where you can finally get to verse 31 because here's the reality. When God's Spirit is carrying us on our job, that's when people look at you and say, there's something different about you. Are you a Christian? That's the greatest compliment you'll ever get from a natural person in your life. But when you're carrying yourself, that, that, that's hard to come across. But you ought to want to be able to mount up like an eagle. You ought to want to run and not be weary. God didn't design you to wear out serving him. God designed you to give up on your strength and let him infuse you with a new strength so you never wear out. So you're just walking around saying, I got the joy, 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 what? Down in my heart. And, and, and when you know, and he walks with me and he talks with me. When you know soon and very soon we're going to see the king. When you know one glad morning when his life is over, you'll begin to feel a certain pep in your step. And an ease to your stride. And you'll realize, he's carrying me. Listen, I've done both. I've done both in my private life. I've done both in, as the pastor of this church. And only one pleases the Lord. God is not interested in me accomplishing anything for him. God is interested in me depending on him. And letting him show up in my life. And be strong in my life. I don't know where you are. If maybe you're here and you're not even a Christian, I'm not going to tell you to come down and say, I'll shake my hand and pray with me. You don't have to do that to get saved. God said, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. God told Jeremiah, see, because sometimes it looks difficult because a lot of people in this room are like me. I walked aisles, prayed prayers, got baptized more than once, never took place for me. And I had to wonder why. Why isn't this thing working? They said, walk the aisle, pray the prayer after the preacher, get baptized, and everything's going to be good. And it wasn't. I'm so thankful that the Bible explains itself better than any other book. And God told Jeremiah, you'll only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. If you're not here and you're unsaved, you're not where you need to be with God, all you have to do is search for him. He said, seek and you shall find. He said, call on him. But you got to do it in sincerity. And if you have questions about your salvation, find me or one of our elders after church and, and talk to us about that. I was going to have a big altar call today, but I just don't feel led to do it. And if I did, it would be manipulation. You can get saved right where you are. I was going to call everybody up, everybody that wanted to mount up with wings and walk in a spirit-filled life and let the Holy Ghost carry you and have some emotional drama at the altar and say, boy, God was so good, the whole church was on the altar today. But here's the reality. The God who knows and sees everything knows and sees your desire. Do you want him to be strong in you? 
or do you want people to think you're strong? It's a whole different ball game. And it's a battle raging in the body of Christ today. We got more people out there teaching people how to be powerful than we have teaching people how to be holy. We got more people out there teaching people how to be powerful and accomplished and not teaching people how to be dependent. Last thing I'm going to tell you, it's what the Father wants. And I know what a Father wants because I am one. The Father wants from His children total dependency, no drama. Total obedience, no drama. When you get to that place, God's going to send a wind your way. And you're going to understand what times of refreshing are. Some of you have never allowed yourself to feel this because you've never positioned yourself to think that you were desperate. You never positioned yourself to think... I need God, or this whole thing's not going to work. I'm going to ask you one last question. Do you believe that the living God that this book talks about can help you better than you can help yourself? Amen. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. God, I thank you for your spirit that lives inside us, God. And I pray you would fill us to overflow with the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that you would teach us to count more on you than ability teach us to count more on you than intellect teach us to count more on you than resources you are God alone and besides you there is no other we thank you God for salvation for life for healing and deliverance God I pray for every unsaved person in this room that you would save them by your grace you said they can't come if you don't draw them so I ask you God to do your work your way for every Christian in the room God I ask that you would create in us an urgency to be and to do all that you've called us to be and to do you're a great God Your plan is a good plan, and we agree with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at alcfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.